I'm Maria, and welcome to the 3L podcast series, Limited Liability Leadership, Raising the Bar in Leading the Bar. Thanks for checking out our upcoming limited podcast series developed and produced by Class 8 of the W.N. Reese Smith Jr. Leadership Academy Program of the Florida Bar. Hi, this is the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast, where we'll discuss raising the bar in leading the bar. My name is Rebecca Cohen, staff attorney at Bay Area Legal Services. And my name is Christina Mills, assistant state attorney with the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office and members of the Florida Bar Leadership Academy, Class 8. Today, we'll be your hosts discussing access to justice for low-income communities. We are excited to introduce our three guest speakers. Our first speaker is Jenna Hudson. Jenna received her BA in psychology cum laude from Rollins College and her Juris Doctorate from Stetson University College of Law. Jenna has been an attorney with Bay Area Legal Services since 2000, having worked on the family law team, the centralized telephone intake unit, and the senior advocacy unit. She is currently the pro bono manager for Bay Area's Volunteer Lawyers Program, managing the pro bono programs in both Tampa and Clearwater, as well as the firm's disaster relief team. Jenna serves on the board of directors for the Hillsborough Association for Women Lawyers and is chair of their pro bono committee, as well as treasurer of the Florida Pro Bono Coordinators Association. Our second speaker, Stephen Paulson, has been with Day Legal Aid since 2005. He is the supervisor of the Domestic Violence Unit and is Day Legal Aid's Director of Litigation. He handles a high volume practice specializing in domestic violence and family law matters and has worked with more than 3,000 clients in over 1,000 bench trials, representing victims of domestic violence, sexual violence, dating violence, and repeat violence, in permanent restraining order hearings. As Dade Legal Aid's Director of Litigation, he is responsible for training, mentoring, and supervising staff attorneys, volunteers, and certified legal interns. He also participates in outreach programs, training service providers, victim advocates, and police officers. He is a past president of the South Miami Kendall Bar Association and continues to be active throughout the community. In his free time, he is a talented musician and aviator. Our third speaker, Jaffe Pickett, is the executive director and CEO of Florida Rural Legal Services, Inc. Jaffe has dedicated her entire career to assisting vulnerable and low-income individuals, families, and communities. After law school, she became an attorney at Legal Services advocating for the elderly and eventually joined the executive leadership team and has served as both acting executive director and deputy director. Jaffe has been a longtime advocate for issues surrounding the criminalization of poverty and criminal justice restructuring. She has offered testimony to the Department of Justice on hate crimes, as well as the Alabama Advisory Committee to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Jaffe is now a published author, writing and illustrating a guide for community redevelopment and economic improvement projects, a replication guidebook for legal aid and community organizations to encourage strengthening underserved communities in 2019. Jenna, Steve, and Jaffe, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. 
Now, as we start off, can you each start us off by providing a brief introduction to your legal aid organization and describe some basic demographic information about the communities or jurisdictions that you serve? Jenna, we'll start with you. Okay, thank you, Christina. Um, Bay Area Legal Services has been serving the community since 1967. We serve three counties, Hillsborough, Pinellas, and Pasco counties. All three of these counties have large populations and large geographic areas, so the need for help is quite spread out. For instance, Hillsborough County has 1.47 million people and uh, Pinellas has approximately 975,000 people. Therefore, we specifically have our offices situated in areas that are accessible for our low-income population, and the branch offices help us to serve the more rural areas. Our main office is in Ybor City, Florida, and nine branch offices throughout the three counties. We are a restricted legal aid program, meaning that we are served uh, with federal funds, the legal services corporations, but we have other grants that allow us to provide additional services to our clients that go beyond our income guidelines, and we also work with partner and sister legal aid organizations in the areas that surround us in Pinellas County. We work with Gulf Coast Legal Services and Community Law Program, both in Pinellas County. Our primary areas of service are family law, housing, consumer, veterans benefits, and uh, we also fill the gaps in service with volunteer attorneys that, uh, for areas of law that we cannot serve uh, by our main staff. All right, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about Dade Legal Aid? Yes, thank you. Dade Legal Aid is Miami-Dade County's oldest provider of free legal services. Uh, we handle domestic violence, family, housing, probate and guardianship, child advocacy. And of course, we have our Put Something Back pro bono unit that handles anything else that we can't handle in-house. I'll explain more about uh, the Put Something Back program later. Aid Legal Aid has over 40 attorneys and staff located throughout Miami-Dade County, serving the nearly 3 million residents of Miami-Dade County with uh, a very diverse demographic makeup of Hispanics, Latinos, Haitians, several other Caribbean countries, the LGBTQIA communities, African-Americans, and Caucasians. All right, Jaffe, can you please tell us a little bit about Florida Rural Legal Services? Yes, thank you. So Florida Rural Legal Services was founded in 1966. Um, it is unique because um, of our rich history of serving um, agricultural workers. We serve 13 counties, mostly in rural areas. We also have satellite offices in Immokalee, Punta Gorda, Bell Glades, and Martin County. Um, our primary areas of service include housing and eviction, public benefits, consumer protection, family rights, individual rights, senior rights. We serve migrant workers throughout the state of Florida, and our focus is always on holistic services, making our clients whole. Uh, we try to partner with other legal aid organizations throughout the state to ensure coverage and with pro our pro bono partners to ensure that our clients receive adequate services. Now I'd like to ask if each of you can share a unique or flagship service that your organization provides. Jenna, can you tell us about Bay Area services? Yes, thank you, Rebecca. Um, one thing that Bay Area does is we operate two statewide helplines, the Florida Senior Legal Helpline for those that are 60 and over, and also the Florida Veterans Legal Helpline. 
Another unique um, service that we provide is we also have a social services navigation program. This was started by our senior advocacy unit to start providing uh, for the social service needs of our clients while they're also receiving legal services. And we've expanded that social services navigation program to our disaster relief clients as well and throughout all of Bay Area so that clients can get those needs met while they're accessing their legal services for a more holistic and well-rounded approach. Great, and Steve, what about at Dade Legal Aid? Yes, thank you. Um, Dade Legal Aid, we have our uh, domestic violence unit that has eight full-time attorneys, full-time, uh, five full-time staff members as well. We're located spread out through Miami-Dade County from South Dade to Hialeah to Northwest Miami, and then downtown to the Courthouse Center and our main office next door to that. We concentrate in the domestic violence unit primarily on civil protection orders. However, involved in that, we also handle issues regarding child support, time sharing, and various other family law issues. Aside from our domestic violence unit, we of course have the other units that I mentioned earlier, but I wanted to talk a little bit about our Put Something Back program. We have a uh, Put Something Back pro bono project that has volunteer attorneys throughout the Miami-Dade community that have offered their time to do pro bono work on any other types of cases that we can't handle in-house. There's an application process for that, and then we refer those out to attorneys that have volunteered for that, and then they're connected with those clients so they can serve them. One other uh, note on our domestic violence unit is that uh, we don't have any type of income limitations. So anyone that is a survivor of domestic violence and is looking for our services, income is not one of the things that we look at when we're looking at their cases. Great. And Jaffe, can you please tell us about any unique or flagship services offered at Florida Rural Legal Services? Yes, I want to highlight our statewide services to migrant farm workers. I mentioned earlier that that is an integral part of our history. We were founded in 1966 through a grant to begin helping migrant farm workers. And to this day, we remain the only organization in Florida providing statewide services to migrant farm workers. We have uh, expanded our services during the pandemic. And on August 3rd, 2020, we launched our first statewide migrant farm workers helpline. It has been extremely successful to allow more access to our services to migrant farm workers. We are also in the process of looking at kiosk projects for rural areas so that we're taking our services to our clients. So I wanted to talk about what happens in cities or areas that don't have their own legal aid organizations. How do clients find your services? And I wanted to throw that question to Jaffe. Sure, thank you, Christina. Um, there are well-known barriers to services, in particular, focusing on migrant farm workers. There are transportation barriers, um, language barriers, and just barriers dealing with trust because those communities are, are pretty closed. Um, and so some of the ways that we remove those barriers are by working with partnering agencies who already have earned the trust of many of, of these client communities. I will mention just a few of our 40 plus partners and allies that assist us in serving migrant farm workers across the state. 
Um, we work with the Co Coalition of Florida Farm Workers, um, former Farm Worker Association of Florida, the Hispanic Federation, and our farm worker ministry partners include the Immokalee Haitian Church and the Immokalee Haitian Methodist Church. A lot of our work would not be possible without uh, these organizations uh, who are oftentimes boots on the ground and have already had intimate relationships with these migrant farm workers and earned their trust. Another way that we overcome barriers, of course, and obstacles are working with our pro bono partners. I often say that our every private attorney who volunteers to help not only Florida Rural Legal Services, but all the legal services programs across the state really expand our reach of service. It's impossible for us to reach every client in need. And so we really rely on our uh, the private bar to fill some of those gaps. And uh, lastly, we, we think of innovative ways to serve clients. We not only have our statewide um, migrant helpline, but we also have a hotline where um, that allowed us to not have any close down without any closed down periods uh, during the pandemic, um, which was extremely important for clients in need. So. I think through partnerships, through our pro bono partners, through working with community partners, and certainly um, by finding in innovative ways, utilizing technology to serve more clients. Thank you so much, Jaffe. Such important work that you're doing. We'd now like to talk about some of the systemic issues or barriers that make access to justice more difficult for members of low-income or rural communities. Jenna, can you tell us how Bay Area handles reaching those low-income individuals in the Tampa Bay area? Sure. Thank you, Rebecca. So as I stated before, uh, Bay Area does have a large geographic area that we're serving. So um, a lot of our clients do have transportation issues. Um, they might not have enough money for parking um, at the courthouse or gas money parking at our office locations. Um, so there is a lot of barriers that they face that uh, people don't realize. Um, that do prevent their access to justice. So we uh, do try to definitely come up with innovative ways, as Jaffe was saying, to serve our clients. Um, and our hotlines are, are one way and our centralized telephone intake is another way so that people have a phone appointment and they don't have to come in person for services. And then obviously through this pandemic, there is some silver linings that we have you know, moved forward drastically as far as our technology and become more innovative. And we have found that we're able to break down a lot of those barriers by serving our clients through Zoom meetings and Zoom clinics. And so in our opinion, we'll probably go ahead and continue those services into the future as long as it works for our clients um, and it's, it's more easy for them to break down those barriers then. So that's something that we'll definitely continue to explore and continue to, um, you know, look at in our organizations as we continue to try to serve clients, um, even after this pandemic has has gone away. Thanks, Jenna. And Steve, what about in Miami-Dade County? What are some of the barriers that your low-income uh, community members face in accessing justice? Sure. Thank you. The, the barriers are very similar to what Jenna just spoke about. And it's things like access to services, access to the agencies that can help, uh, transportation, of course, um, distance, um, 
public transportation, things along those lines. But also it, it has a lot to do with knowledge of what services are out there and what's available. Um, and, and even knowledge of, of the law and the fact that there are laws or there are portions of the law that, that may help. And then of course, um, it's things like the courtroom procedures and um, what happens in court? How do I handle a case? How do I go through it? Um, you know, what are the procedures on that? And what about the law specifically? Does the law fit into whatever the issue is and the, the problems that they're having? So these are all various things that, that are always issues that come up. And finally, uh, of course, as Jenna also mentioned, now at least technology is out there and sort of helping out the fact that the court systems have moved and we as well have moved to uh, virtual hearings and virtual contact with our clients. So at least in some ways that, that can be helpful. Of course, we still have the issue of making sure that our clients have that um, electronic capability to connect through those virtual means as well. And so that's just another issue on top of the others, but very similar to them. Thanks, Steve. Jaffe, since you've talked about how you serve a client population that is uh, in largely rural areas and very spread out, can you please tell us about some of the systemic barriers they face? Sure. Well, I mentioned before language barriers, uh, just because of our service statewide to migrant farm workers, but I really wanted to focus on transportation issues in rural areas. Um, and to give a, a really a quick example, um, most of the time when people hear transportation issues, they just think, well, how hard is it to, to get on a bus? Um, and a client story that some of you may have heard about is a single mom of four who actually um, commuted to work and that commute took seven hours. By car, that commute would have been 37 minutes. So when we talk about rural barriers and how people access our services, it is a real life issue for the majority of our clients. And so the services are there. I think what legal services organizations have to be creative and innovating and doing is filling that gap. One way that Florida Rural Legal Services does that is by doing community outreach, bringing our services to partners in churches. Um, some of the coalitions I mentioned earlier but also with our agricultural farm workers, we actually go out into the fields um, and meet our clients where, where they are. Um, some other projects uh, are kiosk um, that, again, during the pandemic, will actually take those services into communities to remove some of those barriers. What are some of the gaps in service that legal aid cannot provide and why? Are there certain areas of need that are commonly requested but cannot be offered? And what are some of the suggestions on how to fill these gaps? Jenna, could you talk on that first? Yes, thank you, Christina. So um, specifically our volunteer lawyers program at Bay Area Legal Services does do our very best to fill in those gaps in service for uh, things that maybe our staff attorneys cannot handle because of the volume or because there is a certain area of expertise um, that maybe the private bar can handle. So we specifically make it our goal to get volunteer attorneys interested um, in those areas of the law and ask them to assist us. Um, for example, we're able to provide probate and guardianships 
uh, through our volunteer lawyers program on a very regular basis, whereas our staff attorneys are not able to handle that because they're definitely bogged down by family law, housing, consumer issues. So there is definitely um, a demand for services in all of those areas, and the volunteer attorneys fill those gaps for us. And it's ex extremely valuable because the what we do is we estimate the rate of service for a volunteer attorney at the modest hourly rate of $300 per hour. So for instance, last year, we had uh, volunteer attorneys donate 4,095 hours of pro bono service in 2020. So that comes down to over $1.2 million to the bottom line of Bay Area for services provided. So um, it's definitely something that helps us to fill those gaps. And we're very lucky to have a very active bar in Hillsborough County specifically and Pinellas and Pasco. So we are able to, to, to help with those areas of the law that we might not have been able to serve previously. Wow, when you put it in the frame of numbers, that's a really incredible impact. Steve, can you talk to us a little bit about some of those gaps and how you seek to fill them in the day legal aid area? Yes, thank you. As as Jenna talked about, we also have the, um, and I mentioned early, the uh, put something back pro bono unit at Deed Legal Aid. And we have a list of attorneys from throughout Miami-Dade County who have volunteered their time to help with pro bono cases and to help any type of client on any type of case that there's a need. So oftentimes we'll get clients that come in or reach out to us. And now a lot of it's done virtually through our website and they have issues that we do not handle in-house. So then we set up a uh, referral and they apply for our pro bono services. We match them up with an attorney that can help them in that area. And then that attorney contacts them directly and handles that situation for them. So to cover the things that we can't do in-house, we just have this tremendous resource from thousands of attorneys throughout Miami-Dade County that do all different walks of legal professions and they can help out with those clients. Thank you, Steve. Jaffe, can you talk about some of the gaps in service that you see in rural areas and again, how you seek to fill some of those gaps? Sure. And so we also work with pro bono attorneys in our 13 county service area. Some of the ways that um, make it possible for our volunteer attorneys uh, to serve more of the clients in need are things like co-counseling and cross-training, where we offer training in areas where a lot of pro bono attorneys may not be familiar in services. And those areas um, basically deal with the types of law we provide, uh, housing, evictions, and things like public benefits. So being able to provide training, I think, does allow more attorneys not only to volunteer, but to feel confident in accepting those cases. We also have an externship project where uh, we are working with several colleges and universities, and we have students who come in oftentimes from public service clinics, and they hit the ground running, really excited to help our clients. Right now, a few of the universities uh, we're working with is the University of Miami School of Law, where we have volunteers who help us on our hotline, uh, Ava Maria College, and our new partnership with Florida A&M College of Law. So um, through these externship programs, we're also able to provide um, extended services. And oftentimes, these students who come in 
develop a love for the uh, legal services, and they come back and become uh, attorneys. So we're very proud of our externship program. Well, it really sounds like for all of your organizations, you really rely heavily on the volunteer bar. And we're hoping that this podcast today will inspire even more people to to join and, and contact you in those efforts. I'd like to switch gears a little bit now and ask you about uh, whether or not your legal, legal aid organization ever gets involved in proposed legislation at the state or local level to address the systemic issues we've been discussing that are barriers to justice for our low-income communities. Jaffe? So we do not get involved in any legislative activity. Uh, We are not allowed to uh, to lobby those of us who are funded by the Legal Services Corporation. However, we are allowed to educate. And that education includes letting legislators know about the types of services we provide, how important that is to their constituents, and really just highlighting the types of work that we provide um, throughout the state of Florida but we cannot lobby and we cannot get involved in rulemaking. Great. Thanks, Jaffe. Steve, what about in in Dade County with Dade Legal Aid? Yes. While Dade Legal Aid specifically is not directly involved, I am involved with uh, one of our state reps on providing real-world information and examples on a House bill that they are working on. This House bill, it's an exception to uh, to the wiretapping laws out there. It's uh, the use of recordings to prove violations of injunctions. So the purpose of this is if there is an injunction in place and a survivor has some type of a recording, uh, whether it's audio or video with audio, something along those lines that shows a violation of that order, then there would be an exception carved out that they could actually use that recording as evidence of that violation. Currently, the way the law is, the way Florida looks at it is we are a two-party consent state. So if the victim or survivor makes a recording and the abuser is not aware of it, then generally speaking, it's not allowed, it's not permissible in evidence, it's not something that can be then used against the abuser. So this would set up something that would help in law enforcement and prosecution of these violations. And again, so what I'm doing with that is I'm providing um, examples and information about it and situations that we've had where this would be helpful and beneficial to the survivors. Um, and just showing what the need for this type of legislation or change in legislation and and its usefulness. So Bay Area Legal Services is um, a legal services corporation funded legal aid organization. So we are not allowed to get involved in any lobbying or legislative activity. But again, we we try to do as much education to the community um, as we can as far as, you know, legal issues affecting our clients, but we cannot get involved in those types of activities. Thank you all. Now, you all talked earlier throughout our conversation about the various pro bono programs that your offices have. If there are attorneys out there listening today that want to get involved and want to sign up and volunteer with your pro bono programs, how can they get involved? How can they sign up and to volunteer? Can you guys each give a little bit of information about that? Jenna, we'll start with you. Sure, thank you, Christina. 
So uh, we do have a, a website at Bay Area Legal Services. It's www.bals.org. And our website has all of our pro bono opportunities listed for volunteer attorneys. And um, there, there's a website, there's a page on the website specifically to sign up and complete a pro bono application to volunteer and list the projects that you're specifically interested in. So that specific site is www.bals.org forward slash volunteer. And we will respond to your uh, registration um, and get back to you with ideas about um, volunteering and getting you involved. Thanks, Jenna. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about how attorneys can sign up for the Put Something Back program in Dade County? Yes, very much the same again, as Jenna mentioned. Um, it's uh, primarily through our website these days, and that website is dadelegalaid.org. So that's D-A-D-E-L-E-G-A-L-A-I-D.org. And all of our services are listed on that site, whether it's uh, pro bono services, requesting help in any type, or to sign up to be on our list of pro bono attorneys. It's all available on the website. Thanks, Steve. And Jaffe, how about for Florida Rural Legal Services? Can you tell us how people can sign up to be a pro bono volunteer attorney? Sure. There is uh, information on our website about pro bono uh, volunteering. You can find that information by going to frls.org. Also by emailing pro bono, one word, at frills.org. We have four coordinators who um, will get that information and get back to any volunteer as soon as possible. For all of you, what if there's attorneys or firms that are interested in volunteering after listening to this podcast but need education or training in specific service areas? Can they reach out to your organizations for assistance, Jenna? Yes, of course. Um, we welcome that and we will provide any necessary training, mentoring, anything that they feel that they need to get comfortable in providing service to our clients. And we are there throughout any type of um, service that they're providing to clients, whether it's through taking a case or volunteering at a clinic where they're, you know, side by side with them, making sure they're comfortable with everything they're doing for us. Great. Thanks, Jenna. What about you, Steve? Uh, it's very much the same as Jenna mentioned. It's probably the same for, for most uh, legal services organizations. Um, we do offer the, the help and the mentoring on any situation that, that we have experience with. You know, a lot of our attorneys that we have, we specifically set up the clients that have a specific need with an attorney that does a specific practice. Although there are some times that, for example, I talked about domestic violence earlier, maybe sometime uh, an attorney will get involved in a domestic violence case pro bono. And at that point, we set them up with an attorney with experience that can help them out through the process if they need and give them tips and information that would help them in better serving that client. Great. And Jaffe, what about at your organization? Right. Well, as uh, Jenna mentioned, we certainly welcome pro bono attorneys to assist us. We do provide training, mentoring, as well as co-counseling. Um, and as Steve said, we also try to match clients to attorneys in specific practices. But what we also try to do is 
provide training in those areas that are most needed for our clients so that those attorneys, again, feel um, that they are comfortable in certain areas of the law. Like right now during the pandemic, there's a lot of need for housing and public benefits like unemployment compensation. So we try to provide that training up front so that the private attorneys feel more comfortable taking cases where they're needed. But we certainly welcome our pro bono uh, attorneys. And as Jenna mentioned, we also have been doing multiple clinics throughout our service area, courthouse clinics, and uh, we love our participation. If there was one thing that you wish all attorneys could know about legal aid or specifically organization, what would it be? Um, I would love for them to know um, exactly how important their help is to our organization because we couldn't do what we do without their assistance. Um, so, and I would love for them to know um, and be aware of some of the barriers they face and some of the, um, the situations that our clients are in because I know that hearing those stories, they definitely would want to get involved. Steve, is there anything that you would want to share? Yes. We would like attorneys to know that if you want to help out in the community, there's certainly a way to do it through us, through all of the legal services providers. There are clients out there that need your help. And in the area of law, we're just fortunate to be able to provide services for people. And it's just a way to give something back to the community and to people in need. Thanks, Steve. What about you, Jaffe? Sure. I would certainly want volunteers to know how critical our services are, how critical their uh, assistance is to so many of our clients. Oftentimes when our clients reach us, we are their last ray of hope. They've turned to other organizations. They don't have anywhere else to turn. And so as the last stop shop, I often say that if we don't have the resources, if we don't have the manpower to serve them, then they oftentimes continue those cycles of poverty. Those cycles lead to homelessness, more violence. And so for our victims, our migrant farm workers uh, who have trust barriers and finally make it to us, we want to be able to provide those services. And because of our pro bono partners, we are able to do so. So I would say thank you and certainly recognizing how important those volunteer hours are and, and not just as an hour, but as a client. Well, Jenna, Steve and Jaffe, this has truly been a pleasure. This is a very informative conversation and you all provided us with some great information about some amazing programs and services that are being provided across our state. Hopefully this conversation will inspire our listeners to sign up for your pro bono service programs and share this information with their firms and others who have the resources to assist. So thank you all for the important information that you provided today. I believe that's all the time that we have for today. On behalf of the Leadership Academy Class 8, thank you once again for taking the time to speak with us. That will wrap up today's episode of Access to Justice for Low-Income Communities. Thanks for joining us today on the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to check out our other episodes to learn more about raising the bar and leading the bar. Thank you.